Hello, Dogalos. It's your buddy. Happy November. Chill in the air. Get some hot chocolate. Thanksgiving's just around the corner. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. And I find that it's not most people's favorite holiday. But I think Thanksgiving is at the very least underrated. Also, there's a war on Thanksgiving. People diss it. On a worldwide level, it's just called like a harvest festival. But in our USA, it's Thanksgiving. We all know the Pilgrim Native American shit's a bunch of baloney it's about getting together but you know what i love the food and i love turkey i mean i just don't get why people hate on thanksgiving anyway i'm bob sham i am the host of this podcast you're listening to the documenteers we have left creeptober behind you got uh, a surprise drop last friday with bisbee 17 with friend of the show eldridge i'm not allowed to say he wants to be called Eldridge. And today on this episode, some fun stuff. Johnny and I finally get into the cult weeds as we discuss Bill Perrine's 2012 documentary, Children of the Stars. It's about this UFO cult in El Cajon, California, and they are on a Lisa Frank trip from hell. Let me tell you. Just look up uh, Ruth Norman, Uriel, Unarius, and uh, we watch this on a Tubi app uh you can go to tubi.com it's free there there's commercials and i noticed on the app that there's also like two minutes of just black space until the movie starts again that's weird but it's fucking free and you can watch it there for peanuts but johnny and i finally get into it we, we like to talk about religious and spiritual shit and we get into some fun cult stuff folks and uh ufos will come we have all driven spaceships in our past lives Next week on the program, Akil will join me and we discuss one of the most prolific American producers slash musicians, hot off the presses, a 2018 fresh Netflix original, Quincy, a documentary about Quincy Jones. Akil and I had a lot of fun doing that one. and We hope you join us there next week. Oh, and uh, real quick, because I keep forgetting to do this in the episode. Follow us on social media at Documenteers. Contact us personally, documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. We have unofficial short playlists for each of our episodes at atrax.com under Documenteers. And uh, give us a review on your favorite podcast player. Hit us uh, five stars or uh, Apple podcast reviews are tremendously helpful. Just show some love out there and recommend us. Share your favorite episode on your preferred social media. I don't have Twitter, but if you do, why don't you share it? Share it. But enough of all that promotion. Please let's get into the stars, the children of the stars, and all their many, many past lives. Keep on talking. Now, here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Uriel here. I am so happy to see you this day. And I would like to tell you of the wonderful ways of these beautiful spiritual worlds. Worlds filled with color and light. And the brothers all live in a love oscillation where they live one for the other and not for man for himself.
Johnny, this episode, the 50th Documenteers episode. Whoa, man. Seminole up. Big deal. We made it to 50. We'll probably man. be at almost 60 by the end of the year. That's amazing. And we've been rolling for one year? Almost one year solid. Man. This will be the first. Well, there will. But we dropped uh, Bisbee 17 with special guest Eldridge, who is also my friend. But I have to bleep out when I say because he doesn't want his name on the podcast. He wants to be called Eldridge, not He's just, he's giving me a hard time. But we did Bisbee 17. We dropped that last Friday. I mean, we bank way ahead of time, but let's pretend we're in the future. <laughs> and yeah, so this will be the second, but the first official Tuesday. Because we drop every Tuesday, but actually like Monday nights. Yeah. Anyway, I like to have fun with saying we're going to do something and then do it a little different. Yeah, well, Tuesday's Tuesday's my Monday, so it's it's always nice uh, to listen to a Documenteers episode yeah. to bring me back into the week, you know? Now, Johnny, our ideas going into our episodes is to talk about culty shit. Yes. And we've weaved in and out, gotten into some, uh, like, American Jedi was kind of like, I think it's just wrapping around what you wanted around your favorite sci-fi mm-hmm. movies. And Holding the Head was about the ancient art of... Uh, Drilling a fucking hole in your head. Trepanation. And did we do a Herzog? We did a Herzog, didn't we? We did God's Angry Man, yes. That's right. Yeah. That's a little closer to what we're wanting. This is the full-on take me to the the fun house cult fun that maybe we originally were thinking of. Yes, and I think it took us a long time. I was I was wondering why it took us so long to get a real cult, like a culty cult, not just a fringe religious movement that could still technically be considered a cult, but it doesn't yeah. when you say cult to the average American, they don't think TV, like televangelists, they don't think... German singers. German, <laughs> German singers. They might think about drilling holes in their head if they're privy to that kind of thing. That seems pretty culty. And they don't necessarily think of like the charismatic Christian movement of the early 2000s either. Jesus can't write our first episode. But this is, I realized it's probably taken us this long to do a real cult, like yeah. a culty cult. I think our general ideas were to do religious, spiritual-based films. Mm-hmm. But we love cults. Yeah, I mean, that's how we really started talking in depth about life at work, I think, (laughs) was cults. (laughs) Where we came together. And you have personal experience hanging out with, I get, would you call them a cult? Uh, I think on their good days, they are an intentional community. (laughs) (laughs) On their good days, they're a commune, but there were plenty of things that had, there were culty elements to Jesus People USA. The fact that there was a, you know, the massive hushing of child sexual abuse and the fact that it could be a bit authoritarian, you would have to ask the council of elders if you were going to date somebody. You know, it's that that's when you're getting into culty territory. And that's the thing, like any any religious movement that starts to exhibit more authoritarian symptoms. Mm-hmm. Can rightly be culty, right? But this one is taking us so long. I'm thinking I've been trying to get around to this point. Right. <laughs> it's taken us so long to do a culty cult because I think this is one of the few that hasn't been covered to death at this point. Like we, uh, this one is fringe as hell. It's fringe as hell. But it's been think, around a long time. Which is weird. And I can't believe they're not as dark as I was expecting them to be. No. Maybe it's because like they hadn't heard of any murders happening or, you know, they're no Manson fan. Family. They're no children of God. They're no 
We heard about murders in past lives that they had to be redeemed for. Which was fascinating and I think actually makes them stand out from the other reincarnation hippies. There's a Scientology kind of angle to that. Don't they have previous existences and lives that they also account for and is often used to kind of entrap people, I guess, within the religion who literally believe that? Good the, point. A, a common aspect of Scientology, if you get out of it, is where they call you a child molester. And that, that implies that in your past life you did these horrible fucking things and that <laughs> pretty much every scientologist in their past did horrible fucking things because that leaves the window for you to be i guess uh i don't know if they would use this word like emancipated oh and, right and yeah come to the other side and get rid of those bad things go clear yeah go clear exactly these people you say that's like an offshoot of children of god right um actually in the beginning when Jesus people was started in Milwaukee. It split in three different ways. One part moved to Chicago, but actually ended up breaking down in Chicago and just staying there. That was the uh, that was what we know as Jesus People USA now. Part went to Europe and became the Jesus People Army, I believe. And then another segment. This is kind of like the uh, War in Heaven, where the War in Heaven, where where God lost a third of the angels. Oh wow! Yeah, you know that sounds cool. Yeah, a, a third segment of the original Jesus people went off and joined the children of God. The children of the God is the... So it's it's kind of a distant cousin, really. Right. Children of God is where all the systematic abuse was occurring, which we'll probably get to that shit before too long, I Dude, would imagine. I'd read a date-by-date -date account, and it was, it was fascinating to see... You know, a lot of the stuff we've been covering kind of came from the hippies converting yeah. to Jesus-y stuff. It's taken all kinds of weird directions, like the charismatic movement that we see now, a few televangelists, Jesus People USA is obviously one of them, and then the children of God. So it's interesting to see how different things have evolved from the same root. What about the, the flying saucers? Are they going to come down? Opinion is split on flying saucers in Jesus People USA. Interesting. Uh, to be fair, I only lived there maybe two and a half, three years. Sure. I wouldn't consider myself an expert on the community like like many people you call themselves. You put in your time. I put in some time. I, I definitely was a coordinator for a while. I kind of helped run the place. I mean, there's the investment. and When you invest, everything opens with something positive. I mean, yeah. you're in here. It's almost a commune environment. You're learning genuine skills in those environments that can help you. You are. In your life. You're learning to live. Well, see, the thing is, there's so many good things about a lot of these communities that really could be used for good. The communal environment, the sharing is awesome. Learning how to live with 500 people to be able to get along. I mean, you have to, you have to learn to apologize for shit. You know, you have to, you have to be humble. You have to, you have to keep communication open and clear. Otherwise, you know, things could get real bitchy real quick. When it, the apocalypse happens, I imagine these sects would actually be in better shape than most people outside of them. It's hard to say they, a lot of these communes might be healthier communities than... In terms of a survivability. Yeah. And also, regular society has its own underbelly. Underbelly. Sure. Underbelly. There's the, the underbelly the and the underbelly. <laughs> Let's go to the underbelly. <laughs> So society has an underbelly, right? <laughs> yeah. The reason we're focusing on these is it's just out of the norm. It's fascinating. It's, it's fringe, but I'm not sure it's more or less healthy than what we've got going on for us right now. Just, there's murders, there's child abuse, there's 
stuff everywhere. And these come out of the face of American culture. A lot of these are born from so-called standard American religions that have been around for a very long Mm -hmm. time. And this one we're going to talk about today has been around a shocking amount of time for a human lifetime. Very young for actually a religious lifetime. Very young. I mean, depends on who you talk to there. They would say their religion is very old, I think. Well, right, right. We'll, right. We'll get into that. But we are discussing the film by Bill Perrine. I believe this came out in 2012. We watched this on an app called Tubi. T-U-B-I. Yeah, and it's like a free app. It has commercials and stuff, but... One of my favorite documentaries ever, The Punk Syndrome, which we'll is available to. on there. It's, long story short, to uh, put out a teaser. When we do The Punk Syndrome, Tubi will come in handy. So Tubi will come in handy. Long story short, it is some... Young and middle-aged men in Finland who started a punk band. And they all have either autism or Down syndrome. They are punk as hell. I think they're an incredible band and it's just, it's a fantastic documentary. So I can't wait to get around to that one. I think it'll be early next year. We'll definitely get into it. Yeah, so watch it. Watch it as many times as you can before we cover this. But in uh, Children of the Stars, it opens up on a fellow named William Proctor. He's standing in front of this it's like an Oldsmobile with like... <laughs> the flying saucer on top? Yeah. Is that fl- the one? Airbrushed flying saucers on the side with of the it. With the tractor beam coming down? Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. I want that car so bad. <laughs> and, and William says in 1971, Martians were warred on by us. I don't know if listeners remember the war on the Martians that we declared in the 70s. Yes. Martians were human beings. They were just very advanced. They were very peaceful, but because we warred on them, they destroyed all but one craft. That's where the War of the Worlds came from. Called it sci-fi, but it's real. Keep saying yeah. this is 70s. That wouldn't make sense if that's where the War of the Worlds came from. It was it was ancient. Yeah. It was a very long time ago. I'm sorry, it's an ancient war. This is the beginning. This is basically the beginnings of the human race as we know it. Am I right? Yeah, I I guess so. There's going to be a lot of confusion when we're trying to parse through what these people are saying because it seems like... Seems like there's a past life answer for everything. There is a past life answer for everything, and I'm not sure if it's all totally coherent with itself. Like, if you took everybody's timelines and put them together, I'm not sure you would have human history. It's hard to say what... I don't know. I don't know if they, I'm, I'm not sure if they focus on filling in the plot holes, so to speak. We are at Star Center One in El Cajon, California. And we are at the, uh, Star Center One is the home of the universal, articulate, interdimensional understanding of science. Unarius. There's a sign that says, Welcome Space Brothers. Space Sisters, I guess, had to stay on their home planets. Uriel was saying that she was a space brother. I guess in a past life, everyone has been a space brother, I think is the point. She's been all genders, Uriel. And Uriel, she's a woman named Ruth Norman, and she is the cosmic center. Uriel here. I am so happy to see you this day. And I would like to tell you of the wonderful ways of these beautiful spiritual worlds. Worlds filled with color and light, and the brothers all live in a love oscillation where they live one for the other and not for man for himself. In these spiritual wells of light and love, 
all the flowers and trees and growth, they extend this love to you as you pass them by. It is a beautiful and happy and joyous way to live, and you would never want to return to your earth world of warring and hatred and resentment after you once had a peek into these beautiful worlds of ours. Describe uh, Ruth Norman slash Uriel. Oh my God. Just imagine if you took a glamour shot of Tammy Faye Baker and then had that photograph airbrushed by Lisa Frank. <laughs> yes, Lisa Frank. One of my favorite artists. She's wonderful. I she's, really love her. She's great. Definitely some Lisa Frank vibe going on. Oh man, it is one of the most colorful, the most colorful documentary we have covered so far. It is visually amazing. Johnny, I just got an idea that maybe I shouldn't say on mic, but we'll probably never do it because making apps is very expensive. Making apps is very expensive. Lisa Frank photo filter. It, Lisa Frank's your image. That's got to be a real thing. Come on. That's got to exist we'll already. Have, we'll have to look into it. Okay. Afterwards. Yeah. But Uriel is a wild lady. But I will if, I will find it and I will use the shit out of it. Yeah. When this episode drops, I'll probably, if, I, if it does exist, <laughs> all the promo pics will be that. Oh my God. Yes. What if and you, then we can dress ourselves up as those people and then take pictures of ourselves through the Lisa Frank photo filter. Yes. We can be Unarians, Bobby. What if you took a picture of Ruth Norman, a slash Uriel, with a Lisa Frank photo filter? Gobs of pink would probably just shoot out of your phone. Dude, you know that uh, you know that deep dream filter that people were running things through? Yeah. Where it just basically looked like I've never been on acid. I know you find that hard to believe. <laughs> You've said as much. I've, I've never been on acid, but I imagine the deep dream filter is what doing acid would be like where just like it's this swirling mass of colors and just this these insects appear out of nowhere and faces and i feel like running uriel or ruth norman through a lisa frank filter would achieve that effect this might be one of my favorite humans i mean i say that maybe tentatively you never see anyone so a lot of these people are just so confident they are. They're very confident in this. And I should point out that everyone we see, with a few exceptions, are like older white people. Yeah. This is a baby boomer cult. And, and it, they're not even old hippies. Most of them don't even seem like super weird people in and of themselves. Like they seem like normal people, except they believe that they were like a Luftwaffe pilot <laughs> in a past life. And that's why their legs hurt, because they had both of their legs injured in a in a crash and that's their punishment for their sin of being a nazi pilot aside from that they seem like pretty regular people yeah when you when you hear about accounts of reincarnation especially in this a new religious movement filter a lot of people are talking about how like their past lives involve them being somehow very important mm -hmm. but some of these people are like in my past life i was this mass murderer i murdered all these people but we had to go forward in our lives to be uh you know forgiven and learn to love our enemies also a very love cult yeah you know i'm not sure what i think about that them being evil people I, it still doesn't seem like there were very many normal people yeah in their past lives there weren't just like i worked at a factory i drank <laughs> a little bit too much yeah yeah that's... i built this cool playground for my kids but i hit my wife once like you don't hear just <laughs> pretty regular working class 60s blokes that's true i mean you know you don't see the uh even in their negative they're still like very prolific 
it's still pretty fucking grandiose. But this cult, or they probably wouldn't like us calling them a cult. The Unarians, is that, are they Unarians? Unarians, yes. With, not with an A-N-S, with a U-N-S. Unarians. 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 They want the Earth to join the Galactic Federation. I'll give them that. I want that too. I mean, hell, if they're good dudes, then we should yeah. we should join with those peeps. If there's a Galactic Federation, I mean, let's just be a part of it. You Why know? not? But Uriel, a.k.a. Ruth Norman, is an archangel, also known as the Channel. And she represents energy beings that have taken a physical form and love Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank should produce, should, like, fund them. An animated feature about the Unarians. Yes! I would. Dude, I would watch that so many times. I would buy all the t-shirts. I would own all the posters. Now, Ruth Norman, not really a shocker here. She had a sad childhood. She died in 1993. She was 93 years old. So she was born... Shit, damn. 1900 to 1993. At the turn of the century. Yeah. Almost lived through the entire century. She's a teenager in World War One. She's of the Dust Bowl, the Great Depression. She is very much in a, a prime age when all of this shit is going on. Dude, she was middle-aged in World War Two. My grandpa was 16 in World War Two. My grandfather just passed away. He was he was in his 90s. Sorry to hear that, by the way. Yeah, and he, uh, but he was... NASCAR accident, right? Yeah, NASCAR accident. Uh, he Yo, I only said that because he said it first. <laughs> all right, I made that joke before. No, he fucked to death, actually. <laughs> it was just too good that time. <laughs> he was barely old enough for World War II when he got it. But he was just oh, wow. yeah. he was on escort ships, escorting cargo from South America to North America. So It's too bad he couldn't intercept some of those runaway Nazis that went down to Argentina. But oh, dude. Ruth Norman, she had a couple of bad husbands. But something happens after uh, World War II, around the 50s. We start seeing... Flying saucers in the sky, man. Fuck yeah, we do. They got a pretty decent timeline and a pretty decent theory for why we're seeing all these UFOs. What is that theory? We dropped the A-bomb. Makes sense. And the H-bomb. Sent ripples throughout the universe. So the rest of the humanoids, or humans, I think they're just humans, on other planets, especially Mars, started paying attention to us again. And there's a reason why they're dressed in... All their aesthetic is centered around a night a 50s and 60s view of an intergalactic future. Because all of those sci-fi movies, I don't know about all of them, but... Pretty much all of them. ...are in some sense real. Call it sci-fi, but it's real. They are past remembrances. Psychic remembrances. Psychic remembrances of their past lives as filtered through the mind of the producer or the screenwriter or the set designer. Star Wars real, Star Trek real, 1984, they're big on that one. 1984 was real. Real. That was the planet a lot of them came from who staged the rebellion against Uriel. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, of my course. textbooks explained everything. <laughs> there was some kind of control, like mind control force field or some sort of almost like a psychological pollutant they put in the airwaves that really fucked with people's brains and it created an authoritarian atmosphere makes sense not unlike nazism not unlike uh 1984 the english socialism so when you're watching like a 50s campy b sci-fi movie and you see an alien that just appears to just have halved ping pong balls for eyes no that's really what they that actually like. happened but yeah. the green ones with the antennas 
not real. They said, oh, they made it a point that there's no one. Not real, no. The Martians are humans. Martians are humans. Martians are humans. So it's not all accurate. However, the truth about humanity does come out through those. According to them, it seems like all mythologies are real. Yeah, which is kind of a fun way to look at it. The planet Ares was that one guy, I think it was a guy with the southern drawl. It was Orson Welles that did War of the Worlds. Well, there was actually really a War of the Worlds, except it wasn't the Martians warring on us. It was us warring on them. William. William, yeah. Billy. One of the best. I, I really liked him. <laughs> he said to imagine Jesus and Buddha and Gandhi and Muhammad, etc., all hanging out. That's just... just Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, Gandhi, thats the, those are just normal run-of-the-mill people for the planet they came from. Now, uh, Ruth, she meets a fellow. His name is Ernest Norman. In 1954, Ruth Norman met the moderator, Dr. Ernest L. Norman. These two great beings of celestial consciousness incarnated together for a very great purpose. That was to bring the interdimensional physics of Unarius to the planet Earth. Mm. But he's not just Ernest Norman. He's also Nikola Tesla. And fucking Raphael, the angel Raphael. He is. He is. And also, God, he was also another important. Ruth saw Ernest's many lives. And they have many, many, many lives. Ernest was a scientist. Mm -hmm. That's just what the Unarians say. Uh, They didn't really show any credibility or like. They did say he was pedantic. He and Ruth wrote a lot of books about this stuff. Yeah. There was so much to cover. They didn't cover him for very long. At some points, I was getting my timelines confused, and I had to keep reminding myself, it's like, oh, a lot of what they're talking about happened in, like, 1964. She was kind of the quintessential subservient housewife who did his chores, and I don't think they had kids, but kept house, cooked for him, that sort of thing. And then he passed away. But Ruth, she goes from being your basic archangel to a full-on space goddess. This is a trippy ass movie. <laughs> and there's a, I love that part where she's surrounded by angel boys when they're all dressed up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's got a harem of, of space brothers. By the way, I don't know if there was ever any hanky panky there, but let's be real. If you get a chance to sleep with the Archangel Uriel, yeah, you can't turn that You're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Angel boys. <laughs> Where'd she get all those angel boys? That's a good question. Are they paying local actors? Because they made movies, too. They told their stories through film. They did tell their stories through film, and they claimed that there was no script. It wasn't acted. They got into these characters, right? They put their costumes on, and they became those characters. They were remembering these characters from a past life. I just like the idea that they have to tell us that there was no script. Leaders are great leaders. They have come up with the land, uh, the crystal, the crystal lenses. As if we couldn't <laughs> figure that out as soon as we caught 30 seconds of any of their movies. It's almost kind of like the religious version of, oh, don't pay any attention to it. I wasn't trying too hard. It's not good to war on other tribe. No, war is very, very bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I didn't have much time to prepare <laughs> my speech. There was one especially where they got into those, where they got into the grass skirts where they were going to be some, some primitive stereotypical, you remember the, the Native Americans as portrayed by Disney's Peter Pan. It's nice to have you back after the hunt, brother. 
Yes, make him arrow sharp to kill boar. We see a flying saucer. Me strong, me can do it. Me gotta sharpen him arrow so I can stab him the buffalo. <laughs> I'm sure many films in the future will be made in this manner. Each and every individual who took part in the film, the so-called actors, were not acting at all. They were each one reliving their own individual past. Look, they just inhabited these characters. Man, they were just like right there in the zone. They were those people. It's too bad inhabiting them didn't mean they could suddenly speak their languages or anything. <laughs> it's not good to war on other tribe. These people, all the sci-fi weird movies in the mm -hmm. 50s and 60s, that's this religion. Oh, yeah. That's this religion. And then they pad it with actual UFO sightings, co-op some of that um, angel lore and shit, even some demonology. And all world religion. We meet a lady named Billy McIntyre. She's in this uh, group. And she felt a jolt of energy from Ruth, radiant energy. And she realized that, oh, my God, in the past, we are all advanced beings moving through lifetimes. And there are some fucking rad paintings. Incredible paintings. <laughs> they were, I wish you could see these paintings, y'all. So you would know why this was funny. <laughs> but they were painted by somebody who was Leonardo da Vinci. In a past, <laughs> the past life. life. If that painting of like Jesus praying in the garden that your grandma had in her house, you know that one. Where he's up on the rock and he's got his hands pressed together. If that could be a felt painting, it would be these paintings. <laughs> yes. They represented, these were shown as who Ruth was in past lives. Yeah. They go through a cavalcade of names. I thought it wasn't, I thought it represented who a lot of them were in past lives. But also there are paintings of people or beings that are represented in the Galactic Federation, which consists of 30, <laughs> 33 planets. So we also see paintings of 33 different beings that represent the Galactic Federation. Right. But in other lives, Ruth claims to be like Muhammad's wife, Quetzalcoatl, uh, Zoroaster, the founder of Zoroastrianism. Oh, that's right. Just so many people. My favorite, I think it said the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> or at least the person that was modeled for the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I did. I did appreciate that very much. Uh, the Mona Lisa, which uh, we always assume that that's like a person named Mona Lisa. There's really not that much evidence of that. <laughs> that could have been a man, at least in some composite way, you know? Right. <laughs> but no, she was the Mona Lisa. The she was the Mona Lisa in some in some sense. I don't know how that works. These paintings were painted by someone who was Leonardo da Vinci in a past, in a past life. life. Makes sense if you see the quality of these and paintings. So what were you going to get around to? Because I really wanted to talk about Lucifer. Oh, well, that's... We haven't even fucking touched Lucifer, and that's <laughs> the part that blew my damn mind. As there are archangels, there are arch demons. Yep. We meet Antares Spiegel, who is a willfully obnoxious person who is also Lucifer. And while they were driving, she looked at him and she says, I know who you are. It hadn't come out yet that he was the fallen angel. And uh, so he just quietly took that in. Finally, he said to her, this is really very funny. He says, archangel and archdemon traveling together, <laughs> which was kind of cute. But their idea of Lucifer is he didn't get expelled from heaven. Lucifer was more like, you know what? I don't need this. 
you're not my real dad. And he gets <laughs> out of heaven. He bails. That's their interpretation. Their their actual, their theory is that when you become prideful and egotistical, that prevents you from experiencing the higher vibrations of existence. So whenever he became prideful, this honestly isn't too far from the ancient Judeo-Christian mythology. But whenever he, uh, whenever he became prideful, that prevented him from accessing the higher vibrations of humanity. And therefore, it was kind of a fall from heaven. Wow. so to speak, into the lower dimensions of existence. Kara, because they think that all sci-fi stuff is what they call a psychic remembrance, mm -hmm. that fucking Flash Gordon and Star Wars, those are documentaries. Those are documentaries. And well, docudramas. Docudramas. Really. Which maybe we can cover them. I mean, if we if this podcast was hosted by uh, Unarians, then we could do any movie as a documentary. God, I wish I could do that. Can we do that? We have to convert first, I guess. I, they really are looking for young people, like mid-30s. I, I think my religion frowns upon that, Bobby. <laughs> Converting <laughs> to the Unarians. <laughs> Maybe just ask him. I'll talk to my priest about it soon. <laughs> but in Terrace, he starts dressing like the Flash Gordon villain Ming the Merciless. They don't call him that. I'm just a nerd enough to know what he's dressed like. Right on. And he's walking around dressed like full Ming the Merciless. Oh, my God. Which is a classic Cold War, like, yellow face villain, basically. Oh, right, right. Yeah, it's he has the stereotypically Asian facial hair, the Fu Manchu mustache, and yeah. the long goatee. Right. Um, also, not unlike a lot of the pictures I've seen of Aleister Crowley. True. With the really intense eyebrows and the, the goatee and the long facial hair. And the sometimes, was he wearing devil horns sometimes? I think sometimes, yeah. Okay. It seemed like he had uh, some costumes that he changed into a lot. But I, I assume this was in the Unarian films that he was dressed up as Ming the Merciless. He kind of reminded me of uh, the Sith Lord from American Jedi. The guy who dresses like he <laughs> works for the Geek Squad at Best Buy. Yes. <laughs> Except this guy met, he, well, he led the revolt against Uriel, against the good archangels. Yeah. Very and important past life. A very important past life, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the people in Unarius were complicit in that. They helped him. I don't know how long it took for him and Uriel to reconcile. They were they were enemies for thousands of years. This adversarial relationship comes to a head at some point. We'll go ahead and say that he is free of his darkness and he converts into light with an amazing hairpiece. By the way, oh, beautiful, and it becomes in league with these the Unarians in their positive light. They're forgiven his evil. So he sheds his Lucifer persona. They said that that was uh, 95 million years in the making. 95 million years. Jeez. William says that there's no such thing as imagination. They are all psychic remembrances. Every whim of a thought you've ever had, you're just remembering your past lives. Man. Believe all of your thoughts is what Be they're saying. Believe you should everything, definitely. Everything you believe. Never doubt yourself. <laughs> Some people have recollections right in front of us on camera. It's pretty impressive. Like I said, the one guy who was in Luftwaffe pilot. Well, that wasn't right in front of us on camera, though. I think that was William, right? That was, that was William. Yeah. The guy with the southern drawl. Yeah. My favorite. But we also meet who might be a contender for me for favorite is Carol Robinson. She is a student of the Unarians, and she's very connected with his past life. 
and she's taken some past life therapy classes. She remembers a past life where basically what happens is she got a case of poison oak. I'm really paraphrasing here because I had to kind of rewind these scenes with these stories that they were telling <laughs> and where I'm like, what the fuck did she just say? It was just sitting there on the couch with my mouth open. That's <laughs> she had some poison oak. This is, I uh, hope I'm right in this. And she realized that poison oak, it led to a past life where she poisoned a water supply oh, or something. Yeah. And that poison oak breakout, it's not because she touched poison oak, Johnny. No, it's because she cursed the ground on which she was standing. Yeah. And it's come back to her. What she's really saying, though, despite all the mythology, the most interesting part to me was what she was really saying was everybody is acting out their past pain. Everybody is fighting a hard battle, like I think Socrates said. Everybody's just acting out and... We all do this, so we all need to have sympathy for each other. It was a weird way to get around to that, but I thought it was beautiful. They're just very open-hearted, loving Scientologists with way better style. Way better style. I mean, their style is fantastic. Billy, another Unarian, Billy, is hanging with Carol. And we see them sitting together. And they recall a time where they were elite cops in the Orion galaxy. The whole thing started at a time in Orion constellation um, thousands and thousands of years ago, maybe a million years or more. We were partners in Orion as police officers what the police elite was. police the elite it. police that's right totally just regular joe job you know yeah elite cops elite cops in the orion galaxy they they, they really did some cool cop things there could be <laughs> the unarians should make a show like a web series about billy and carol's past lives where they were elite cops oh man a procedural cop drama about orion oh god csi yes. orion yes I would watch this shit. It'd be the only CSI show I'd ever see. There's a place called Jamul, California, not too far from here, where they believe that ships will land and stack on top of each other like plates. I think 22 high. I believe each ship will have about a thousand scientists. This will help the world, of course. They come from a, what is this? Is it the planet Lemuria is where they're supposed to come from? What is Lemuria again? Lemuria is, I mean, this is... This is some kind of strange ancient society speculation that has been around, I think, before them. Right. They used to inhabit the Earth. They used like... to inhabit the Earth. It's like Atlantis. Right. It's a, it's a continent that has sunk. California is part of that, and so is Hawaii. Huh. Yeah, Those but... were both connected by the same continent of Lemuria. Now, when they make these movies representing their stories, their past lives, that's because they say... You can't change to the now unless you relive the past. All about reliving the past. All the way back to when they were cavemen. Me strong, me can do it. Me smash rock. Make him arrow sharp. Hello, spaceman. There's this guy, his name is Dan Smith, and he wrote Roots of the Earthman, which was inspired by Uriel. And Ruth told Dan that his script is about one of his past lives. It really happened. Dan said he didn't realize it. I thought I was making it up. I don't know how it didn't occur to him when everything is about their past life. But he says, wow, Ruth, you're right. Also, they they put on films and performances of the crucifixion because that's the psychic experience that they all lived through. I guess maybe Ruth was Jesus in the past. I, I think part of their mythology is that they were all there, that they were 
they experience most of these things together. They have been together as a group for perhaps millions of years. Yeah, 95 million at least. At least. Dude. So they were all there at the crucifixion. They were Yeah. They were cavemen together. They were showing a clip of one of these movies where they were uh Native Americans and it was like a contest to see how much you could say the word moccasin. Tired of making these moccasins. They seem to always be wearing out. Well, perhaps the rabbits are getting more hungry these years. I said moccasin <laughs> over and over. Well, you have moccasins and many moccasins to make. What? The moccasins. You can do moccasins. No, I don't want to do moccasins. <laughs> if only they channeled actual, like, Navajo or whatever language <laughs> they should have been speaking. You know what that reminded me of? My dad was lived in the woods in Hawaii for, like, five years. He kind of, you know, actually tuned in, turned on, and dropped out. He lived in this Party. little makeshift village, basically made up of white hippies. Just the jungles. Howleys, as they call them yes. in Hawaii. Yes. But not all Howleys are hippies. No. Ha Pretty much all hippies are Howleys. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. If you're white <laughs> and you're in Hawaii, you're a Howley. unless you were born, I think the only way you are not a Howley is if you were born there. Yeah, Howley means foreigner out or outsider. Yeah. What? Why? Why do they call them Howleys? Is it because when people show up with lays and drink a, a bunch of mai tais and go, woo? <laughs> no, Bobby. It's an actual Hawaiian word. Oh, okay. It is H A O L E. Oh, Howley. Cool. I hope it's a derogatory word. It is. Cool. Dumb fucking Howley. It's slightly pejorative. But it's not always an insult from what I understand. Anyway, these these Howleys that my dad lived next to, he had a grass hooch and there were two brothers who were convinced they were reincarnated Native Americans. They wore loincloths and they rode on the same horse without a saddle. Whenever the police choppers would fly overhead looking for marijuana crops, they would run outside and shoot at them with bows and arrows. <laughs> Dumb fucking holy. That's what that reminded me of. It's like, I'm pretty sure one of them died in a mental institution. Oh, oh. But the thing is, if you're actually a reincarnated Native American, you'd think you could be a lot less racist about it. It's not good to war on other tribe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it just... This is the most baby... Maybe if you can do something to, like, break the stereotype that white people have in their heads about Native Americans. Yes, make them arrow sharp! This is the most baby boomer religion that's ever been baby boomed. Oh, God. <laughs> that's pretty much the whole hippie movement, yeah. when you think about it. Dan's past life destroyed a whole fucking planet. This is what we're talking about. They're willing to accept negative aspects of their past lives. He didn't just, like, scratch somebody's car in a past life. He no, no. wrecked the, the whole he fucking planet. He didn't rear into a spaceship. Nope. He destroyed a whole planet. He committed genocide. And Dan's negative side came out, and he exposed it and overcame it. Now, mm. if you really believe, like, if you're a person who now is good, and you truly believe that you committed mass genocide of an entire planet, how would you live with that? If I truly believe that, I would have a very hard time. That's one of the things that I actually, in some weird sense, found impressive about their mythology. Was that, okay, so there's Scientology, right? I'm going to go ahead and say Scientology is not a respectable religion. In any way, shape, or form. David Miscavige probably listens, I think. Well, good. 
You're a dick. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. More like dickhead Miscavige, am I right? Because it doesn't really seem to deal much with the actual evil that lives in humankind. It's more like what's preventing you from success. That's what Scientology is about, right? The Unarians were actually, in a weird way, through a strange mythology. They were aware that every single one of them, as individuals, was capable of committing horrible deeds. And that once they recognized that fact, they could... Overcome be, them. They could overcome it. They could be saved from it and that they could change. But to, you know, to use Judeo-Christian terms, once they recognized their own sin, they were able to repent of it and move on, which is pretty fantastic. I mean, that's actually, that's actually quite redemptive when you think about it. But everyone has committed the worst fucking things possible because the worse you did, the more impressive it is to overcome. That is absolutely true. <laughs> However, on the flip side of that, they were all as individuals willing to admit that they were all capable of great evil, which is super cool. Yeah, that's, that's that the... is very important and actually kind of wise, especially for a white people appropriating world religion standpoint. They definitely have it's pretty good. They have a you must learn to love your enemies aspect of this. Yeah. Which is one of the more admirable parts of things like Christianity. Yeah. The that sense of forgiveness and mm -hmm. the importance of it. As shown by Lucifer and Uriel finally reconciling after ninety something million years. Wow. Impressive. A, you know, as far as Sci-fi mythologies go, you could do worse. We got uh, many of these films that they make, like Lemuria Rising, Misu the Magician. They did a movie called Snake People, which was about snake cults. Why are snakes always representative so negative? I guess I know, like, in Old Testament yeah. fashion that that is why, but snakes are good. They're good for the <laughs> ecosystem. We need snakes. Stop shitting on snakes, people. Just that, stop. That might be a that might be a Western and Middle Eastern Judeo Christian. I don't really know how other world religions see snakes. Well, in Carol's past life, because she was in that one of those snake cults or was involved somehow. I, as the priestess, would dance with the snakes, but I had a little trick that people didn't know about. I would be venom the snakes so that I could stay in charge by them not killing me. But then the ones that were out with them could kill them. You see, do them in, but not me. And they were like, oh, you're so wonderful. The snakes, they love you. Carol is like... Cool as shit. <laughs> is that what you're going to say? <laughs> I mean, she's way rad. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of great. When I was 16, 16 or 17, I thought I was like a little... I thought I was like super poetic i just kind of decided i was yeah and i very much was like showing off of my writing abilities to the point where i was like teacher i have another poem to read to the classroom <laughs> i think think back on those days quite embarrassing but like we all every teenager kind of goes through this in some way or another oh yeah the and grandiosity it, and you know and you know, if you're still, if you are an artistic person and you're going through your life, it's a process and you get to this point where you kind of learn to understand yourself and can laugh at yourself because all good artists, as they move forward, have things that like they're embarrassed by in the past. Oh, absolutely. Carol doesn't have that problem. <laughs> she had that point and never left it. And in a way, 
I'm very envious of Carol. It's really endearing. Yeah. It, I don't, I mean, she might be fucking insufferable to live with. I don't know. You could Plus, say. she would be a delight to talk to. You. You, you could say anything to Carol about anything and she will correlate it on the spot to some element of a past life that she lived, that she shared. With, with you. With you. Yeah. She's going to insert herself into all of your experiences. Sure. Basically a past life assault. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I held you all night. All night. Can't you just... In the Orion system. Can't I do anything in the past 95 million years without you barging in to my memories? I watched Damn. you sleep 10 million years ago. Get I, out of all of my I stared at you while you were sleeping. Fucking hell, Carol. Carol, stop harassing me in the past. She's basically a past life stalker. Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about it like that. No, I don't like Carol anymore. I was wrong. She's not cool. <laughs> Johnny, fun fact yes. Martians bred with humans and made the Chinese <laughs> What? I must have Did you miss that part? They just kind of threw it That's the I thing get, with It's this... going to take a few watches to catch everything Even though we're doing this episode now I will be revisiting this film Oh, fuck yeah We may have to do an addendum sometime down the road The reason why you don't see Martian cities is because they moved underground. Not just the Martians, they're skyscrapers, I guess. They're all underground on Mars. That's why. Shit, damn. Also, the Lemuria continent was sunk by a Martian laser. I mm-hmm. think that's what they said. And the- then what we see now of Lemuria is Hawaii and California. Yeah. I don't know about Tonga, about Tahiti, about the non-American parts of Lemuria, but Hawaii and California were definitely part of it. Atlantis was a part of North America, and it ranged from, this is a big landmass, from South America up to Iceland. That's a lot of continent. Holy shit. So that was like the whole Atlantic Ocean, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, Atlantis was the Atlantic Ocean. Got it. Also, but Atlantis developed something called the Power Tower, which provided energy to entire cities. This is where the Nikolai Tesla... I was about to say, I wonder where they got that idea. Nikolai Tesla is considered an archangel. That's right. Oh, he's the archangel Mesiel. What they claim is a lot of what Nikolai Tesla was attempting to achieve in his career. Oh, he was trying to relive his past life as the archangel who gave everybody free power? Yeah, which would be pretty sweet. We could use that. Man, if anybody feels like fact-checking this entire timeline... And telling me how this went down. Good luck che- fact-checking 95 million years worth of us. I mean, just like making a timeline of all the things that they claim happened just in this film. That is an incredible story. That's like 100 years of solitude, but in space. Yeah. Actually, no, that would be, that's just one family. There's so much, there's so much. And everything's connected, man. 95 million years of solitude. <laughs> <laughs> they have often come to this point. In the hopes of spaceships landing. Mm-hmm. But spaceships are not landing, and that's because there's negative forces that abort the ship landings. In order for these beings to come down and bring us their enlightenment to take humanity to the next level, we have to somehow get on that level because every time they don't show up, it's because there's too many negative forces. Yeah, and they were going to come back in 2001, if you remember. I'm, I have absolutely no idea where they got the number or the year 2001, I just, but 9-11 happened. And then the Martians were like, oh, they're not ready. Listen, Martians, let me make a case they for the just, Martians. They just, they have some growing to do. 
Martians, we can't get along yet. Because of this stuff you're seeing, we could really use your help. Maybe just come down. Just come down and give it to us. Yeah, I mean, why would you wait for us to figure this out on our own for you to visit and tell us what you know? Because it seems like it seems like the purpose of your visiting, is, Martians. Is to enlighten us. Is to enlighten us. But yeah, we got to be on your level in order for you, you to come and enlighten us. I mean, to quote one of your peeps, Jesus Christ, he was someone who was one of you in a past life. Yeah, of course. Everyone knows that. It's not for the healthy that a doctor exists. A doctor exists for the sick. So, I mean, we're a sick society, dude. Come down, help us out. It seems like 9-11 should have made you come down, help us out quicker. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. Maybe Martians are cowards. Oh, snap. Oh, I know that. Oof. Fuck, man. Throwing that out there. I know you it's just, harsh. Dude, you basically insulted the entire master race. You know that? They're never going to land now. God. Billy and Carol tell a story about how they uh, chopped up somebody in a past life. In that past lifetime with Uriella's Hutchess, we had uh, beheaded her. We had chopped her all up and threw her in the Nile. We were like two kids with a tricycle. Like, it's mine. No, it's mine. No, it's mine. We did it. We got her. Whatever. Billy and Carol <laughs> need their own show. They're just like nonchalant. Like, oh, yes. And then we chopped this body up into a bunch <laughs> of little Billy and Carol, pieces. special victims unit. You think Billy is the painter? Because I got in my notes here. Billy painted a Da Vinci Channel painting of Uriel and Antares. Yeah. So Uriel and Lucifer. With Tesla's help, I think. That might have been Billy. Fuck, I want his art so bad. Her. Billy's a lady. B-I-L-L-I-E. Oh, I, I, was thinking, I was thinking Billy as in short for William. Sure, I get that. The, the guy with the drawl. Okay, Billy the lady. That's Bi right. Billy is also the ruler of the underbilly. <laughs> <laughs> Tied it in. Nailed it. You. William Proctor said that when he was a kid... And you you mentioned this earlier. He had pains in his legs, and his mom would have to rub his legs. Mm -hmm. I used to get growing pains pretty bad. Yeah, that's what it sounds like that was. Yeah, and, go ahead and... and then William remembered that he was in the Luftwaffe. I saw a, a movie played in my head. The plane was on fire. I had crashed, and I was getting out of the cockpit. I lived, but my legs were crushed. And when I came into this life, for real, my mom had to take me to the doctor on a regular basis because my legs hurt all the time. I spent the rest of my so-called service for Germany in a concentration camp as a colonel. Yep, and he had to use two canes to get around. He was ruthless in a past life. And Carol, of course, recognized him from when she was in Nazi Germany. When I first met him back east in North Carolina, I looked at William and I said, I know you. I know, I know where I know you from. He says, where? And I said, Nazi Germany. He said, get away. He had a reaction to me, a negative reaction, which I'm used to because of who I've been and the deeds I've done. They're old friends. Carol, the past life stalker. God, make your own fucking memories, Carol. Throughout this movie, we talked to an author who objectively wrote a book and studied the Unarias, Unarians. God, I've got to yeah, I want to read this book too. And she was she seemed very patient in explaining this. But towards the end of the documentary, she you could tell that there's a little bit of exhaustion on, on her part. She's like, with these people, there's never a resting point. And she says that, look, even in basic sociology, a coincidence is just a damn coincidence. But there are no coincidences with the Unarians. Yeah, that, that phrase, shit happens, they never use that. They're doing the 28th Conclave of Light. 
where there's a parade of Space Brother banners, each banner representing the Space Brother from one of the 33 galactic intergalactic uh, Mm -hmm. confederations. Mm -hmm. And they released 33 doves for each planet. They release it from a scale model flying saucer. Which is pretty dope. (laughs) Pretty great, yeah. Do you think they still do this? If they do, we're taking a pilgrimage out to... El Cajon. Yes, and we are going to cover this. I think on documentaries. I think for real, this is worth a trip. It's kind of amazing, Bobby. (laughs) And that's pretty much the end of the film. But as the credits are rolling, Carol, you know what? I'm coming back to it. I love Carol. (laughs) She talks to the director. She says, well, I'm going to talk about you and me real fast. Get that out of the way. The positive side. Um, We have known each other in our past lives. And I know you have interviewed me. Um, for instance, in the constellation of Orion, I was a spokesmodel at that time. I was real tall, real slim, blonde hair, and um, people had to use cameras to have me on all the videos on all the 100 planets. So that's where I know I've known you from, because I felt so familiar I could tease you, like I had known you forever, and it's been a good million years since we've been in Orion or 800,000 years. We made sweet, passionate love. It was the cameraman, right? Yeah, it was the cameraman. Yeah, he was her photographer as a model. Yeah, she was she was hot too. She was gorgeous, just fucking hot, smoking. I forget who she said she looked like. But look, if Carol says it, I believe it. Now, Johnny, we don't rate things in a star rating scale. That's for I know the Unitarians. They like the stars. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of what they their belief system. I happen to think they're trash. Maybe I'm more on Antares' side, the fallen angel mm. side. Mm. We're we're in the um more of the the underbelly, uh, if you will. Shut up, Bobby. <laughs> we rate in the Herzog rating system. Mm. You're gonna give this one through five Herzogs. I'm gonna give this one through five Herzogs. And then we will combine them like a twenty two stack of spaceships for best out of ten. <laughs> Socks. Johnny, what'd you think of this film? Children of the Stars by Bill Perrine. Oh my God. You know, it was visually beautiful. Like I said, glamour shots meets Olin Mills photography meets Lisa Frank meets Tammy Faye Baker and that lady with the pink hair from TBN. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it was visually stunning and it never stopped being interesting. There were clips of those old sci-fi movies when they were talking about their past lives. Tons um, of those. Yeah, there was a lot of swirling colors. Costuming was unbelievable. For being a documentary, this was beautifully staged. Because this is just how they fucking live. This is their reality. I thought, like, oh god, it's going to be a lot of these corny clips. But it was like, no, this is their history, according to And them. you know what? They didn't have to dramatize anything. They just sat these people down and had them talk about what they believe and that was fascinating it turned into an insane spider web of a story about where they met each other in past lives and just i like i said someone please write down a timeline because i this is blowing my damn mind her voice all that echoing just all the senses except the sense of smell unfortunately and the sense of touch the other three it was amazing it sounded great it looked great and what was the other one what was the other sense? Didn't taste great. Just kidding. <laughs> Two senses. It sounded great and it looked great. So it was, they went into what the people actually believed. My only problem with it 
Seriously, my only problem with it was that I didn't hear about very much scandal. Maybe it wasn't even there, but I feel like if there was scandal, they would have put it in the documentary because that's how you grab attention for your documentary, you know? I'm sure the director would have included that because there were some points where the director seemed like it was lasering in on the silliest mm-hmm. things, you know? Mm-hmm. It seemed like the director was willing to embarrass these people if they allowed him to do so. Right. Like, at some point, there should have been a murder. You know what I mean? Sure. Or there should have been some form of like culty slavery going on where someone's trapped in this and they can't get out. But I didn't see any disgruntled ex-members, which is weird. Anyway, they cover all the bases for me. My only problem was that it was not long enough. I wanted to see more. So I'm giving it four and a half. Wow. Almost perfect. Almost. Wow. (laughs) I fucking love this documentary so much. I I feel like it shows so much about people. It really does. I personally felt like I was pulled in two different directions. I felt like the time they gave us did feel a little long sometimes, but I was Mm -mm. endlessly fascinated with people telling their stories. And I had to press back 30 seconds button to be like, what the fuck did they say they did on fucking Orion forever ago? I never got tired of looking at Ruth Norman nope. for these clips. I don't know how hard it'll be to sit through their movies, but I'm kind of thinking about sitting through some of their movies. I would I would gladly do that with you. <laughs> God, that might that that might be like eating a a, a family sized bag of gummy bears, where it's like, oh, this is so great, and then you have that one too many, and you're in bad shape. All you never know until you try, Bobby. That's true. Oh my gosh, but. I th- I felt like it maybe was a little more draggy to me, but it was all these people are legitimately fascinating. I think as a film, all in all, I felt like it was pretty much fine. I felt like the director was trying to get a little cheeky, but it seemed like he was pulling back a little bit as well because you don't really need to get cute when you got this material. It sells itself, dude. Yeah. It really does. I watched this with my household, and there was a lot of times where uh, they were laughing. But at the end, admittedly, uh, the people I was watching it with fell asleep, like right at the last 10 minutes. Wow. And then something happened at the end and they woke back up and they saw the image of a lady, Lisa Frank, vomiting everywhere and were like laughing like out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm going to give this movie, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Okay. It's a little above average. And I think for me, that's where it does. But it did introduce me to these people, and I will be taking that fascination forward. Oh, my God, yeah. And we have got to go see one of these ceremonies if they're still doing them. But I'm worried, Johnny, because there doesn't seem to be anyone under the age of 50. <laughs> I'm worried that this uh, cult will die out. And it's we... like the Shakers. They're just dying off. Now, they've they've survived 95 million years so far. We can't let them die off. We need to support the Unarians. I mean, do any of them even have children? Are they? I mean, they probably have kids that don't talk to them. Sure. <laughs> Carol can just imagine all the kids she's had. Well, when I was Carol's child in a past life, I didn't talk to her either. You know, Carol and I know each other. We got to go find Carol. <laughs> anyway, that's this movie, folks. Is there anything you wanted to add, Johnny? What the fuck just happened to me? I think I call this a Johnny movie. This is a bona fide Johnny. This movie. is a bona fide Johnny movie. Much like my best friends, like whenever they say Johnny movie, this is probably what they're envisioning, actually. If you want to know the things that Johnny thinks about, watch this movie. If you want to know what it looks like inside my brain, <laughs> watch Children of the Stars by Bill Free <laughs> and listen to his WXNA show, which is archived, The Unlistenable Hour.
wxnafm.org. Johnny, thanks for doing this. I'm glad we got to a real cult theme one. These are fun. We got to do cult theme again. Real we soon. really do. You gave it 4.5. I gave it 3.5. You combine that. That is eight. Eight out of 10 Hurt songs. That went higher than I thought it was going to go. I liked it a lot more than I expected, yeah. actually. I thought it was going to be a letdown, but it was even better than the trailer. A surprising eight out of 10 for Children of the Stars by Bill Perrine. Keep your eyes to the sky and keep on docking. We 10, 11 with myself, space being space brothers have come to your world. It not good to war on other tribe? No, war is very, very bad. We're retarded. We're really mentally retarded on our world. Some fucking holy. I'm sure many films in the future will be made in this manner.